Jesus, thank you that you're here. And we ask that you would use these next few minutes to help us understand the mystery of your incarnation and coming to us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas to all of you. Hello to those of you who are watching online, probably lots of you because of the snow. Uh, thank you all for, for being here. One of the things that Christmas reveals about God is that he's not so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. He's not so spiritual that he doesn't make a practical difference in our real world of illness and poverty and racism and pain and all of that. And the fact that when God came to earth, he wasn't born in a palace, but in a barn where animals eat and do other things, right, shows that Christianity is actually not very philosophical. Christianity isn't very spiritual. It's raw. It's real. It's messy. It is literally down to earth and very, very practical. Years ago, I went through a divorce, and I was so embarrassed that I didn't tell my family about it for over a month. And one weekend, I was home with the rest of my family, and I'd only been there a few minutes, and my brother's wife got up and went into the kitchen and started cooking. And my mom went and asked her what she was doing, and my sister-in-law said, something's wrong with Scott. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to make him some cookies. Right? And, and to me, that really felt like that was God offering me tangible help through her, saying, Scott, I have put you in a family that loves you, and I'm with you in this difficult circumstance. Here, have a cookie. Right? And it was perfect. Cookies are my love language, so it was very practical. God is practical. The Bible makes this offensive claim. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And flesh is such an earthy word, right? It's like it's so fleshy uh, that God would become flesh and have to eat and go to the bathroom and have body odor. I mean, it's offensive. Even the theological word for it, incarnation, is, is very earthy. It, it comes from the same word that in Spanish means meat, you know, as in carne asada, right? So Christmas is the meatification of God, the the incarnisodification <laughs> is what we're talking about here tonight. And this is what other religions find so offensive. that They say God is too great to do such an earthy thing. But the Bible says God is so great that he did. He inhabited a material body because to God, matter matters. And he doesn't want to just transform our religious life. He wants to transform our real, going to work, going to school, raising a family, having friends life. As well as the loneliness and illness and racism and poverty and all the rest in our world. Christmas warms our heart precisely because it isn't just about warming our hearts. It's practical in two ways. And first is we can understand God better because of it. A few months ago, I was driving home from eastern Washington where I grew up and where my parents still live. And I was talking to a friend on my cell phone, but I lost reception along the way. So when I pulled over for gas, I texted him and said, sorry about that. I'm driving through eastern Washington and, you know, we hit a dead cell zone. Well, he texted back, better watch that autocorrect. So I looked at the message again, and instead of saying, I'm driving through eastern Washington, it said, I'm drinking through eastern Washington. <laughs> there is no other way to get through it. Something got lost in the translation. Right? And it's the same with God. He is too big for us to comprehend. So in Jesus, he comes in human form so that we can understand what he's like. 
When it says the word became flesh, another way of saying that is Jesus is everything the Father wants to say. And in him we see what God is really like. He got mad at religious leaders and yet showed grace and compassion to uh, terrorists and white-collar criminals and prostitutes. He taught. He made jokes. He healed, in one case, by putting mud on a guy's eyes. Very, very earthy. And when I was an atheist, this is one of the things that sealed the deal for me and made me feel like Jesus really was the real thing. Because here's the, here's the thing, at the beginning of all things is this impossible thought. Something has always existed without being created. Either it's matter and energy, at least in potential form, or it's God. Both require a huge leap of faith, but which you take makes all the difference in the world. And given all the order in the universe, it seems that on balance there is a God. And if there's a God who created us, wouldn't he want relationship with us? But we can't get to God on our own. The finite cannot reach the infinite. So he would have to come to us in a form that we could understand. And there's no other religion that says that's what happens except for Jesus. In him, we can understand God better. The second way Christmas is practical is it means there's nothing that can't be transformed. In Jesus, God invades the material world to transform it so that earth becomes more like heaven. So, for instance, that poverty and racism and division get undone and are healed. And you see this everywhere in the Christmas story. Jesus was born in Asia, in poverty, in a country oppressed by a European colonial power called Rome. He was forced to be a refugee in Africa to escape a genocide. Grew up and said that he came to bring good news to the poor. Where does the idea come from that we should eliminate racism and poverty and injustice? Right? All the way before Jesus, people said, you can't get rid of that stuff. It's just the way it is. The idea that those things should be fixed came out of Christianity and is rooted in the incarnation that says this material world and everyone in it matters. And Jesus doesn't call us to escape to some spiritual plane. He calls us to enter the world with him and heal it. Which is why throughout the centuries, Christians have created hospitals and universities and fought against slavery. Now, they haven't always done that, but Jesus says we should. In February, I went to the West Bank with some folks from this and, and another church, and we visited a school in Bethlehem for special needs kids. And sometimes in that culture, parents feel ashamed of a special needs child, so they'll abandon them. So this school teaches them to read and write and gives them practical job skills to make a living with. Some of them are blind or deaf or Down syndrome. And it's run by a Palestinian Christian. There are Palestinian Christians named Father Abu Sada. And when he talked to us, he kept saying over and over again, we have, we have hope in this country because we see Jesus everywhere. Well, there's not a ton of hope in the West Bank, to be honest. But, but through him, Jesus is creating hope. And I love the name he gave the school. It's called the School of Joy. And Father Abu Sada is, is finding joy in that because he is part of Jesus making all things new for those kids and bringing real, tangible, practical help to those kids. So he has joy even in the middle of poverty and pain because Jesus enters the world and makes a real practical difference because matter matters, which means you matter. You were made for more than just existing. You were made to partner with Jesus to heal all things, and he makes our lives bigger. Jesus wasn't crucified because he was too boring. Quite the opposite, he was crucified because he was too dynamic to be safe, and he makes us that way too. And he enters our lives and transforms them. 
Are you lonely? Jesus is God with us, reminding us that we are never alone. He's always there. Health problems. He can heal them, sometimes miraculously. I know a few people that's happened to them. Or other times by giving us a supernatural sense of joy and courage in the middle of hard times. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be transformed, a friendship or a marriage. Maybe there's some family tension. It's the holidays. Any family tension in this room right now? Like maybe even whether or not you should come tonight. Like some of you may have been dragged here and others were drugged here, right? Like this fall, my oldest uh, started to college, and so in a fit of nostalgia, my family and I watched some of our videos from when our kids uh, were younger, and we came across this one, and just note the slight hint of sarcasm in my wife's voice at the end. Holly is really learning how to swim this summer, and Jackson's doing great, jumping and putting his face in the water. Holly's actually doing some stroking. It's all very exciting. Tomorrow, we go to the family reunion. <laughs> that slightly cynical little laugh at the end. <laughs> and I, that, that video has almost nothing to do with this sermon. You just needed to see how cute my kids were. This is, <laughs> this is just information that you need. But I love my daughter's reaction to the family reunion. Yay! Okay, the only people that react that way to a family reunion are people who have never been to one. But Jesus can make even that. He can make a practical difference even there. I know dozens of marriages that have been transformed. Families restored. I have even seen victims of the genocide in Rwanda not only forgive the people that killed their family, but call them a brother and sister in Christ. Because Jesus makes all things new. And that God invaded our real material world means we can never look at anything in our lives and say that'll never change. Christmas means anything and everything can change. Not in just a spiritual way, but in a real, practical, tangible way. If you go to this church, you've heard me talk before about how my dad grew up very poor. Uh, there were times that they were even homeless. Uh, my grandfather had abandoned the family. Nobody in my family had made it past the eighth grade. Uh, some had even been in jail. That's just how we Dudleys rolled. But my grandmother made it a goal that all six of her kids would go to college and break that cycle generations of, of poverty. And she asked Jesus for a lot of help. Well, one of the ways Jesus helped her uh, was in, that in high school, my dad got a job in a creamery, and his boss's name was Gus. And Gus was a little rough around the edges. And Gus would always say to my dad, Gene, you're no damn good. You know that, right? You're no damn good, right? Now, for those of you who don't speak fluent Eastern Washington, as I do, let me translate that for you, okay? You're no damn good means I love you deeply and care about you from the bottom of my soul. Okay, so if I ever tell you you're no damn good, just realize that's what I'm saying to you, okay? Well, every once in a while, Gus would call my dad over and hand him $50, and he would say, Gene, you work harder than anyone in this place, and you got a good attitude, so here. But don't get a big head about it. Now get back to work. You're no damn good. $50 back then was, made a big difference in a family that is in poverty. And that, it was Gus's way of just trying to help out the family. Well, after high school, my dad actually didn't have any plans to go to college, which did not sit well with my grandmother or with Gus. And so Gus encouraged and helped my dad get into Central College in Ellensburg. But a week after classes had started, my dad still hasn't shown up. So Gus had a little come-to-Jesus talk with my dad and said, get your keister into school. It was much stronger than that, but this is Christmas Eve and we won't do a direct quote, okay? 
So my dad did. He went and he got a, eventually went on and even got a master's degree, got out of poverty. Gus was a raw, earthy, rough around the edges answer to my grandmother's prayer and brought practical help. $50 here or there that made the difference between homelessness and not homelessness, getting my dad into college. And in the process, Gus got a bigger life. He helped break generations of poverty that I was destined for, but through the real, raw, earthy Gus, Jesus intervened and saved not only me, but my family and everyone else from what fate had slated us for. And we are still talking about him 70 years later. So what needs to be transformed in your life? Is it a relationship? Maybe it's an attitude that needs healing, a health issue. Maybe it's just to discover more of who Jesus is. Maybe God is sending you to be someone's Gus and help in real practical ways. Whatever it is, Christmas means anything can be made new. Because you and Jesus are an unbeatable team. I'll close with this. A while back, a friend of mine uh, got to meet Warren Buffett at a seminar at Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, which has made Buffett a, Buffett a very rich man. And my friend owns one share of Buck, uh, Buffett's company. And he just happened to sit right next to him at this meeting. And my friend's kind of a joker. So he leaned over and he said to Warren Buffett, I'm one of your shareholders. I have one share of your company. And Buffett leaned over and said, really? Well, don't tell any of these people, but between you and me, we could control this company. <laughs> That's my favorite part of this sermon. <laughs> Here's the thing. Between you and Jesus, you can handle anything. Because Christmas isn't about believing the right things. It's not about having the right doctrine. It's not about getting our theology just perfect. It's about a real God who gets in the middle of a real world and makes a real difference there. So that there's nothing in our lives where we can say, that'll never change. Because at Christmas, the ideal invaded the real to make the real more ideal. And when God wanted to save us, he didn't preach a sermon and he didn't write an essay because those are just words. Instead, his word became flesh because he loves us. And love isn't a feeling. Love is a verb. God didn't just sit around and feel love for us. Because love is practical. Love acts. Love heals. Love comes our way. Love redeems. Love restores. Love hopes. Love serves. Love transforms. Love makes all things new. And love has done everything for you. So in return, will you give your love to him? So Jesus, help us to do just that. In gratitude for all you have done. Lord, help this old story be new and help us to get it from our head into our heart, the wonders of your love, that you would leave heaven, come to earth so that we could know how much you love us. Lord, get that from our head to our heart so that we become more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen.